some of the things that he's told them. Yeah, Karen. Even though I'm going away, I'll be with you. Good. Micah? I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? And I'm going to come back and take you there. Yeah, Heather? The world hates you. Know that it hated me before it hated you. Okay. That's not so comforting in, in ways, but they hated me and... You should expect the same because you're going to be doing the things that I do. And when they hate you, don't worry. They hated me too. So if they hate the Messiah, there's not much you can do for them, right? Uh, and what were you going to say, Heather? Okay, good. Good. All right, what else? Yeah, Deborah. You are my friends, right? You're not just servants or disciples even. You're my friends because I've given you all this information. You don't do that with a servant. You just give them nuggets here and there. I've revealed everything from the Father. Yeah, Deborah. Good, yeah. And he, he talks to them about love, the commandment. He's given them a commandment to love, and he's going to show them the greatest love. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, he's going to send a helper, <clears throat> a paraclete, a uh, called alongside is literally what the Greek means. Called alongside. Uh, this helper, this comfort, uh, counselor, um, advocate. What else has he said? Yeah, Bob. Uh, it's not something else. You know, he commented on uh, whether or not finding out that the world ended him is going to end us too. Uh, you know, how encouraging is that? But yet, when you see it actually happen in the book of Acts, they took that as encouragement. They rejoiced right. in being able to do that. So. Right, yeah. They remembered what Jesus said. And when they were persecuted, they did triple backflips in joy, right? Good. Yeah, Carrie? He told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, good. Right, yeah, they're on, they are headed the right way. They're on the way to life. Good, Bob Boy. Good, good, good. Yeah, so let me pick up there. He said uh, on Wednesday we looked at this uh, analogy that he gave them. I am the true vine. That was the last of his seven big I am statements. And he made application for us. He said, if you're fruitless, if branches that are fruitless are going to be taken away... Branches that are fruitful will be pruned in order to bear more fruit. And the apostles have already been pruned by what he's told them. Um, And he says any branch that gets cut off and doesn't abide um, will wither and dry up and eventually be cast into the fire. Uh, But... God is glorified by fruitful branches. And then I think he gives the biggest fruit that you can 
um, you can bear, and that is love. He said, remember my commandment, love, just as Jesus loved. He served them, he just washed their feet, love like that. He's going to sacrifice love like that. No greater love is there than what I'm about to do for you. And we are Jesus' friends if we have that same love. Contrast that with the world, the haters. Haters going to hate, right? Remember, the world hated Jesus. We mentioned that. Um, And we talked about Jesus' coming actually caused sin and we didn't read this but really quickly romans 7 uh, i don't think we should not cover jesus is the true vine without talking about what paul said and how he took that analogy and applied it uh starting in verse 17 of romans 11 sorry romans 11 17 if some branches have been broken off And you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this, you do not support the root. Branches, in verse 19, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. He doesn't want them to gloat over that. But he says, if those branches... um, If God didn't spare the natural branches, he will not spare you. And even those that were, that were broken off can themselves be grafted back in if they believe that Jesus is son of God. So, um, any other uh, comments by way of reminder, anything that has been, um, you, that occurred to you outside of class that you want to share before we get into the next chapter? Well, all right. Okay, uh, let's go to God in prayer then, and then we'll begin our reading. Holy God, our Father, we pray this morning as we approach your throne, as we come together uh, as um, uh, like-minded people uh, focused on doing your will, focused on pleasing you, and wanting to learn more about you. We pray, God, as we study your scriptures, that we will um, understand them, that you will reveal to us what you have intended to leave for us in your word, and that um, we'll have open minds and open hearts to apply these things and be diligent. Um, Help us as we study, Lord, and uh, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for revealing yourself to us through him, uh, showing us the greatest love that man can have. Help us to have that for one another and for the world, uh, just as Jesus did. And we pray all this in his name. Amen. Okay, so we'll pick up in chapter 15, verse 26. If you'd stand while we read. <clears throat> we'll read fifteen twenty-six through 16, verse 15. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father... The spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me and you must also testify for you've been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. 
they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so when that time, when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me. What he will make known to you. Alright, you can be seated. Okay, again, this is an opportunity for you to meditate on uh, this. And um, uh, if you can um, make something personal, uh, true to you, then please share it. Um, I think that will be beneficial for you and for and for the group here. So, um, somebody want to... Um, share something that stood out to them in that passage. Yeah, Tony. Uh, this is the spirit of truth as opposed to this, uh, the king of this world that is the spirit of lies. So just the huge contrast of what's going to be warning uh, that they're going to be up against. But they have someone who is over this that, uh, on their, someone in the background that's on their side that is speaking truth as opposed to the, the one that's on their, like the Pharisee side that is a, Good, yeah. So there's a contrast here between a spirit of truth and then the prince of this world, the the spirit of lies. And the Pharisees, the world, they're listening to the spirit of lies. Um, But Jesus is sending this helper, the spirit of truth, that will guide them. Yeah, Bob. Yep. Right. And uh, until he saw Jesus and knew Jesus, that's what he was doing. He was persecuting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, we see in Acts the fulfillment of this prophecy. Um, many come, and they do think they are squelching this blasphemous uprising against God. Yeah, just.
Good, good. Yeah. So uh, let's let's think about that a little bit more. Um, so in verse eight and nine, um, the spirit's going to come and he's going to prove some things to the world. Um, three things. He's going to prove something about sin, something about righteousness and something about judgment. Um, and I'm with Jesse here. At first, it seems uh, I struggled to on the face of it, make some connections there. Uh, he says what he's going to prove about sin is people don't believe in me. Um, how does, what does that prove about sin? How does that, um, how does the spirit of truth, what does he communicate there about sin? Yeah, Jesse. Right. Yeah. So, um, every, the, the spiritual leaders of the day are rejecting Jesus. So they have to go against that. And they would probably say it is sin that you would believe in this blasphemous guy. That's sinful. And the spirit's going to going to say, wait a minute. That's not sinful. Um, the truth about sin is that you should have believed in me, right, Tony? But the, it's more to the those that don't believe in Jesus that it's just that they don't believe in him. But all the things that they then begin to do themselves, in contrary to God's law, that any, any other situation, they'd say, no, that's wrong for you to do also, that there's all their other sins stem from this one thing. And you can say that then again for the whole world. That a lot of it is that, or all of it is, that they don't believe in Jesus to obey. Right, yeah, good. Yeah, so, um, that they have to, they have to recognize Jesus is the Son of God and, and the world is, is not on board with that. All the lies that they tell, right. All the deceitful practices. They're trying to kill Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, they've been lying about Jesus. Um, Tommy pointed out, uh, that when they go to try Jesus, they commit like all, they, they break all of the 10 commandments or several of them. They bear false witness. Uh, they lie. I mean, there's all of these things that laws, not just hedges, not just like the, the 413 or whatever, um, laws that, that they've kind of divvied out, but the big ones they are violating in order to try and bring Jesus down. And yet they're calling believing in Jesus sin, right? Yeah, Bob? Yep. 
Moses from the very beginning, behold, the Lamb who's come to take away sin. Good. Unless they believe in Jesus, they are still in their sin. Good point, yeah. And so that's what I think he's talking about. Right. The truth about sin is that the way you remove it is through Jesus. You must believe in him. And believing means you do what he says. If he's the Messiah, you you bow down and obey everything that he says. He's the anointed king. So you have to do everything he says. And that's that's the truth about Jesus. Good. Good connections there. Um, and I know these kind of overlap, I think, a little bit. But what about judgment and righteousness? Righteousness... Here's what the Spirit's going to prove about righteousness. I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, the prince of this world stands condemned. What is he trying to say there, Caitlin? Good, yeah. So Jesus' prophecies, God's plan for how uh, Jesus, how the Messiah is going to come, all of that is is going to be fulfilled. Good. Yeah, Bob. Well, the Jews call him the blasphemer because of what he said. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He, they've been called. He, they called him a blasphemer. Said he's trying to lead an uprising, and Jesus is going to prove that wrong. Lloyd. Right, yeah. Yeah, the the old phrase, drinking from a fire hose, right? Like, he's hitting them hard with a lot of stuff, and he hasn't even, that's not everything. There's so much more in the tank, but we're going to reveal that to you later. The helper, right? Other thoughts, um, any thoughts, but uh, specifically also about this righteousness that he's going to the Father, judgment. It's interesting, go ahead, Micah. Oh, good. Right. So he's going away to fulfill this fact that he's the sacrificial lamb, but he's going to send even more truth um, and show them what is right. Yeah. And and Jesus, like, how do you go dwell with the father? What kind of person dwells with God? Only a righteous person can dwell with God. Right. Um I I heard um, that I think to this day at the Passover meal there's an extra chair 
and it's for Elijah. For when he returns, because obviously he went to be with God and it also is symbolic of the Messiah. Like we're going to put a chair there and Elijah's going to come back. He's going to be the Messiah or whoever the Messiah is. And, and I don't know what all is wrapped up into that, but they still to this day, um, Orthodox Jews, from what I understand, and I hope I'm not putting anything in their mouths here, but they have, they're still waiting and they're waiting for the right, righteous person to fill that seat um, and restore and fulfill all these promises, right? Yeah, Jesse. Yeah, it's a good question. So Jesse's question is, what did they understand what he said when the prince of this world uh, now stands condemned? Um, any, any thoughts about that? Bob? Right. Okay. Uh, and he is uh, ruler of this world, is judge, but, you know, Satan wants you to die in your sin. And before Jesus, there was no way to get out of that other than not sin. But when Jesus comes in, and uh, so the first part of this, Satan's been judged. What he wants is not going to happen. Good, yeah. Good, Satan is condemned. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think we're going to see here in just a minute. Uh, in fact, we probably should go ahead and finish out the chapter so we can tie all this together and see what Ryan is saying. It's absolutely true. He knows that there's a lot of this they're not going to understand until a later date. Um, until all of their presuppositions about what the Messiah is supposed to be are actually squelched and and put aside and they can accept Jesus for who he who the Messiah actually is right so let's go ahead and read and if you have comments on any of the chapter that's that's fine so let's stand and read verses 16 through the end of the chapter of uh, chapter 16 Jesus went on to say In a little while, you will see me no more, and then, after a little while, you'll see me. 
At this, some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me, and because I'm going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very, very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked uh, for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I, when I no longer will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then the disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay, you can be seated. Okay, more um, cryptic teachings of Jesus. What, What did you notice? What stood out to you in the text there? Yeah, Tom. Uh, the disciples say, well, clearly you can ask me so, I don't know why you're saying this is cryptic. Or, you know, okay, yeah. It totally makes sense. I mean, purely light, does this, you know, does this uh, Right, yeah. And then he asks, do you believe? I have to almost feel like they're being a little facetious about it. Right, I wonder. Yeah, and, you know, we don't know the inflection. I, obviously, reading this, have to decide... How I'm going to read it instead of just reading it flat. That's not my style. Uh, you can take issue with the way that I enunciate or whatever. But I do wonder if they're like, oh, no, no, no. We get it. Uh, we we understand. You're speaking clearly now. 
Or, or maybe they do. Maybe when he said, I came from the Father and entered the world, now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Maybe that was, maybe that was clear to him. Does that, uh, does that remind you of chapter 1 at all? In the beginning was the Word. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. Right? What else did you notice? Yeah. What'd you say? Oh, is Jesus mansplaining here? I don't know. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison too. He's, he's telling them what they're about to do is going to feel maybe like childbirth in the moment but it's going to end in joy right and i like your connection there that's true for all of us right now um we might be wandering through the wilderness thinking are we ever going to get to the promised land but one day all of this wandering all of this pain and trial and anguish it's going to go away and the joy that, that we have will just overshadow all of that. Jesse? Good, good. So, yeah, there's this analogy of, well, and you see that in Revelation too, right? There's this birth that is about to happen. Someone's trying to snatch that the child away, but yet this new birth, this, this born again that Jesus shows us through death, burial, and resurrection is um, all part of this cycle, right? We go through hardship. We recognize our sin. We repent in sackcloth and ashes. We realize how we've hurt God and others. And then we receive forgiveness and joy because of, of that. So it's that pattern throughout. What else? Yeah, Beth. Shared because of that relationship. 
good. Good, yeah. So there's a relate. He's uh, continuing to reveal the relationship he has with the Father. What um, and and this about them and praying or asking uh, in His name. Uh, somebody put that in your own words for me. What what is he trying to tell them about uh, the relationship and the change that that will happen there? Yeah. So, uh, the first time he mentioned this a couple chapters back, it seemed like, you know, people tried to guess me, okay, what is the exact strategy of, of asking properly of God so that you get exactly what you're asking for? You know, you have to only ask things that are, you know, according to his will, those kind of things. And I think it's just like a, a similar statement that we make to people of, hey, if you need anything from me, just let me know. Are you going to ask me for a million dollars? Maybe if you ask God for that, you know, that's different. But just think of just how we use that statement. You know, there's kind of like, okay, don't be ridiculous kind of stuff. But uh, he may be making that kind of statement. But then also that you don't have to ask me to ask the Father on your behalf. That he's saying here that you now have a direct avenue to the Father that you don't need a, a separate priest to go through. So that changes that relationship. But that's only possible by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That now he has opened up that veil that we all then will have access and then he's saying the Father's not access. Right. Yet again another um, insight into what it's what is going to be after Jesus fulfills uh, this sacrificial um uh, acts of love, right? And salvation. So it's, it's, the temple's going to be torn and you're not going to be going through me and asking me for things and me go to the Father. You are going to have access to the Father. You just, you're just going to be asking in my name. You're not going to be asking me. Um, so yeah. Steph? Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Yep. Another another way that Jesus is the way, right? Um, he's the way through to the Father. Good. What else stood out to you? If I don't see your hand, just start talking. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they ask each other when he's standing right there. They're saying, What is he talking about? And um, I I like to make the opposition that I think we do that. He's telling them they're going to have access to the Father. We have access to the Father. Yet still, it's so much simpler for me to ask you what you think something means instead of just pray about it, even though we've been promised. 
Right. Good, yeah. Very good. Yeah, they're... Yeah, the apostles are wrestling with so many things. And we have to do that too. You can't, you can't pass on your faith like an inheritance. Um, everyone has to make it their own. And the, the apostles are having to make it their own. We're, we're no different. We have to wrestle with the truths that, that God has left us. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I appreciate it so much that the writers of the gospel personified it as a person. Yeah. That, what, whatever that is that describes our lives as Christians, <clears throat> God calls that the Spirit of God. And I really appreciate that He gave it that name. Good. Good, yeah. Yeah, the, the personification showing that Jesus is going away, but Someone else is coming. Um, and one, one guy I listened to, uh, talked about what did they think when Jesus said, Hey, I've got a helper. Uh, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to go get the help. I've got some help. I'm bringing, I'm getting help. Like, Oh, great. He's got an army. We're going to, he's going to go get them. Uh, where, yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. He's coming. He, one guy. One guy is coming to conquer the Romans? What's going on here? Okay. Um, what, what, what did they have in mind? But, you know, again, in, with Jesus in his wisdom shares them what they, what the truth is and that the truth is going to be revealed. And they get it in the end. Um, maybe pro- because I think we, we know that because he told them here what to expect. Um, and our homeschooling makes me think of scaffolding. Like there are things that we show our kids, they don't necessarily grasp, but one day they're going to be able to climb up this and go, Oh, I, I remember this from, from then and I'm pulling it all together and it clicks. Okay, what else? Okay, let me ask this question then. Um, so he's he's talking to them. Um, they they're wondering about what he's saying, uh, and then he he tells them this, and they say, "Oh, now we believe." What do the apostles think that they believe? I think the text reveals at least a couple things they were thinking, right? Bob? Well, they're thinking they understand because they're misinterpreting the figures of speech that he's been given. You know, in verse I said these things to you in figures of speech. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not seeing those things as figures of speech yet. 
It's when the helper comes that they will truly understand. Good, good, yeah. So any thoughts about um, maybe what they, what how they are interpreting this, Micah? Okay, yeah. Uh, they say, um, this makes us believe you're from God, right? Just now? I mean, how many times has he intimated that, right? Anne and then Lloyd? Right, yeah, and he, they've, he's already asked them, who do people say that I am? Um, Peter said, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. They, they, they seem to have caught on to a lot of what he says, right, Lloyd? And then Ryan? Okay, yeah, yeah. I wonder about that too, right? Right, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting. Um, again, uh, I assume that the chronology here, um, that John has everything, that all of this is happening at the Passover meal. Um, and th- this isn't just, you know, some, some co- a compilation of things that... Jesus taught during his ministry. So if, if the chronology holds there, then it does seem like Jesus says this in a little while you'll see me and then a little while you won't see me and then just lets it hang. And, and a lot, most of the time I feel like, well, there's a lot more that was said and done that's just not recorded for us here. It, it seems like he might have just said that and just let it hang and let them chew on that. Maybe while they're eating, while they're finishing the meal or just reclining and they're, you know, he's doing his thing and they're whispering about this. Um, yeah, yeah, Robin.
Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely questions what they, what they mean by now we believe. I can't help but think that there's, you know, their belief and their understanding obviously is again, not a light switch. It's a spectrum. And so if it were me, I might be like, okay, this guy, he's saying, he's doing and saying some amazing things. Sounds like he's saying he is the Messiah. Sounds like he's saying he is just as important as the father. I'm going to hang around, see what happens. If he asks me, oh yeah, we believe. Sure. Yeah, we believe. But if it were me, there would always be like, this, this might just, this, this might be just a crazy guy. And so there's, I wonder how much of them vacillates or oscillates back and forth between how confident they are that Jesus is the Messiah. And then what did he just say? Hmm. I don't know if today is the day to leave or not. Robin. Yeah, maybe if I act like I understand, he'll stop saying things I don't understand, right? And you're too embarrassed, especially if they're arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. They're not going to be admitting that they don't understand what Jesus is saying. So, oh yeah, we we get it. Sure, sure. What was that? Um, yeah. Another other comment, Bob. Right. Or Ron was saying they don't want to appear that they don't. Right, yeah. Now, I think it is interesting. Micah, did you have a comment? Uh, I think it's interesting what Jesus says after he asks, Do they really believe? I think this gives us an insight into what Jesus wants us to mean when we say we believe. What do you think Jesus wants us to mean? When we say we believe, right? I trust you. Yeah, what else? And because I trust you, what? Yeah. That's why he's saying the questions are believed. Because it's not to that extent. Right, right. You may say you believe. Maybe you mean you understand. I don't even think they understand. But you certainly don't believe the way that I want you to believe where, because you're going to be scattered when, when, in, in a few moments when the sold, yeah, when, when it's tested, they're going to be scattered. Lloyd, do you have a comment? Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Still trying to comfort them because, and this is the grace of God. Like you don't understand. You don't really even believe, but don't worry. I'm still, I still want you to, to be confident. Steph. 
Yeah. Rest in the truth. Yeah. Really good knowing that Jesus did come from the Father and he's going back to the Father. That should give you comfort. Um, real quick, let me end with First John, a couple passages that I just thought were um, interesting uh, to see some of the similarities. In First John 2, verses 3 and 4, talks about knowing God. We know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him... But does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. Um, And the reason that they're trying to kill Jesus and the reason they're doing all the things they're going to do to the apostles is because they don't know God. In 1 John chapter 5, um, we see that the Spirit was testifying. The Spirit is going to bring truth. Starting in verse 6 of 1 John 5. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He's not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is true, is the truth. For there are three that testify the spirit, the water and the blood. And these three are in agreement. Um, We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is a testimony which he has given about his son. So, just interesting to see how similar his message is in 1 John to what Jesus said here. All right, thanks so much for your comments. Appreciate it, class.